0: I've got to say, how good is the band? Yeah, thank you guys for serving us. Thank you for all of the tech people who came early to transplant our church PA to outside. And for all those who have been involved in setting up food mowing the lawn, handing out flyers, doing kids' packs. I've started saying what the jobs are. I'm going to miss some. Uh, Filling up a pool. A couple of things like that. There's so many things that are happening. Ushering, food, food, food for everybody, for those who have prayed for today. We're so thankful to God. Um, I I want to pray, and then we're going to look at the Bible. Lord, we ask that you might talk to us now as we look at the Bible by your Holy Spirit so that we would be blown away by the wonder of the empty tomb. Amen. I wonder how you guys feel about visiting cemeteries. Uh, if it's nighttime, then it's a bit spooky. If you're visiting the grave of a loved one, then, well, it can be a special time of reflection. But if you turn up to a graveside burial service, then it's a somber emotional event. And a few of us experienced that just on Wednesday as I had the great privilege of conducting the burial of our late sister, Beryl Hannigan, who'd been a member of our church for most of her 90 years. She loved Jesus and lived a long life. And yet we were still sad because that's what happens when you gather at a graveside and lower a coffin into the ground. Cemeteries are all about death. And they're usually predictable. But sometimes strange things happen at a grave. Strange things can happen at a grave. And we're going to see that today as we look at the very last chapter of Matthew's Gospel. We've been doing one chapter a week for 28 weeks with a few breaks. And here we are. And it starts with verse 1. You can see inside your outline that all of the verses I'm going to read to you are there to read along as well. You can look at those as I read them out loud. Early on Sunday morning as the new day was dawning, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went out to visit the tomb. They're going to Jesus' tomb. Jesus, who had been brutally executed just two days before that, on that first Good Friday, his body was placed in a rock tomb with a massively heavy rock in front of it and these two women go to the tomb, and something really unusual happens. We read in verse 2 that suddenly there was a great earthquake. For an angel of the Lord came down from heaven and rolled aside the stone and sat on it. Now, earthquakes are extraordinary. If you've been in one before, it just plays with your mind. But what is particularly scary about this is that the angel of the Lord is there from heaven, and he's sitting there, and... He's sitting on the stone that has been rolled away, that he's rolled away. The, the angel of the Lord opens the tomb, and that is really strange. And he looks really strange, verse 3. His face shone like lightning, and his clothing was as white as snow. It must have been really scary. The, the women turn up in the middle, you know, first thing in the morning, expecting it to be predictable, and it was very unpredictable. It reminds us, as they see the white, Uh, angel of the lord a lot like what was happening in daniel chapter 7 if you know that chapter anyway this supernatural visit made the guards at the tomb really scared and we read in verse number four that the guards shook with fear when they saw him and they fell into a dead faint these tough security guards you know tough security guards were terrified they fainted in fear and it's got to take a lot to make a security guard faint in fear surely but then verse 5, the angel spoke to the women, don't be afraid, he said, I know you're looking for Jesus who was crucified. The angel says the same thing that Jesus used to say, don't be afraid. Now, I would be afraid if I was there, and I can understand why the women were afraid, but the angel says, don't worry about it, Jesus is I know that you, you're looking for Jesus who was crucified. And then he says to them, verse 6, He isn't here. He is risen from the dead just as he said would happen. Come and see where his body is lying. Uh, if I went to visit the tomb, visit the grave of somebody I loved, and as I turned up, there was a hole in the ground where the, normally there was earth, I, I'd have a whole lot of different emotions right then. It'd be like I'd be... What's happened? I'd be sad, I'd be angry, I'd be confused, all those sorts of things. But this angel gives a reason why it's open. And that is, he says, Jesus is risen from the dead. That's why it's called Alive Day today, because Jesus is alive. And it shouldn't have come as a a surprise to them, because that's what Jesus said would happen. Just a couple of days before, on the night before he died, Jesus says after I have been raised from the dead, I will go ahead of you to Galilee and meet you there. It's like, write that down. It's going to happen. And then when it happens, they're like, I didn't see that coming. It's like, how could you not see that coming? He said it would come. And so the angel says, verse 7, now go quickly and tell his disciples that he's risen from the dead and that he's going ahead of you to Galilee. You'll see him there. Remember what I've told you. Jesus Uh, The the women had to go and tell Jesus' disciples, his closest friends, that Jesus is alive, and the place they'll meet him is Galilee. And so, verse 8, the women ran quickly from the tomb. They were very frightened, but also filled with great joy, and they rushed to give the disciples the angel's message. Two feelings at the same time, frightened and full of joy. I wonder if you can think of a time in your life when you felt both frightened and and full of joy. Might be the first day of school. Might be the first day of a new job. Might be the day that you're getting married, frightened, full of joy. Maybe the first day of retirement. Maybe the day you're about to go on an epic long journey or make a major financial decision that's supposed to be a good one. Frightened and full of joy. But then, verse 9, as they went, Jesus met them and greeted them, and they ran to him, grasped his feet, and worshipped him. Jesus was there. I mean this is this would mess with your mind. You've seen him on the cross in agony, disfigured body, and you've seen him be taken down from the from the from the cross. And now there he is saying, "Hi, hello. It's just like this is wonderful. Wonderful." Jesus there greets the women. "Hello Mary." Hello, Mary. Like, Wow. And what they need to do at that stage is worship him, because he is God. And they go and they grab his feet. And why do they grab his feet? Maybe say, don't go anywhere. <laughs> or maybe it's just they're worshiping at, his, at, at the lowest point of who he is. Just that, they just need to be there with him, to touch him. But then Jesus comforts them. He says, verse 10, Don't be afraid. Go tell my brothers to leave for Galilee, and they'll see me there. Same things again. Don't be afraid. There's a lot of afraidness happening in the Bible, right? And often Jesus is the guy that says, don't. Don't be afraid. And there it is yet again. Don't be afraid. Go to Galilee, and my brothers and you will see me there. Jesus comforts the women. There is no greater comforter than Jesus. There are all sorts of places that we go to in life to get comfort, Some of them are good, some of them are bad. But the best is Jesus. Jesus is alive. And that is why he can say to you, even today, do not be afraid. So they all head off to Galilee, have a nice catch up, and that's the end, right? No, actually, because we're about to see... One of the saddest parts, I reckon, in the Bible, and I don't know if you would expect these verses here to be called the saddest part, but let's have a look and see if you agree with me. It's sad because people who, it talks about people who completely miss the point of the empty tomb. Verse 11, as the women were on their way, some of the guards went into the city and told the leading priests what had happened. The guards, the scary cat guards, who've freaked out when they saw that the angel in the empty tomb they ran and they told the religious leaders let me tell you what i saw with my own eyes let me tell you the truth and they go and tell the religious leaders the religious leaders who had already agreed and organized to get jesus killed and what we see is they are eyewitnesses to the resurrection the guards are eyewitnesses they have seen it with their own eyes no doubt whatsoever And they tell the religious leaders, and the religious leaders are like, hooray, it's exactly what we hoped would happen. Jesus is alive. That's such good news. No. Verse 12, a meeting with the elders was called, and they decided to give the soldiers a large bribe. Not the greatest moment of integrity, really. You get together the most senior spiritual people of Israel and they decide they need to bribe some guards so that they will lie. Pay the cash, get a lie. It's pure corruption. So what do the religious rulers and the soldiers want? What do they want the soldiers to do, verse 13? You must say, Jesus' disciples came during the night while we were sleeping and they stole his body. They want to say they fell asleep on the job which is a bit weird I've got to say uh, because if you fall asleep on the job when you're a guard you don't just sort of get a warning or a second warning or a third warning and then please don't come back you may lose your head over it but the Jewish leaders say verse 14 if the governor hears about it we'll stand up for you so you won't get into trouble I, I love this the the leaders who say we want you to lie Then say something to them that's really important. Oh, trust us. It's like, really? (laughs) Really? So anyway, the Jews offer the money to make the guards lie. What would you do? It's a big question, really, for us all. What will we follow in life? They've been offered a truckload of money to be involved in the greatest conspiracy in history. But if they take the money, they have to lose their soul. Because they can't for a second say, well, I'm actually going to believe in Jesus who was risen from the dead because, oh, it didn't happen. They are the very source of the truth, and they have to decide, will I take the money or will I take the Messiah? Will I love the money or the Messiah? And this is not the first time this decision has had to be made, and it continues to be made. Millions and millions of people have to make that same decision. Will you love the money or will you love the Messiah? And here's what the guards did, verse 15. The guards accepted the bribe and they said what they were told to say and their stories spread widely among the Jews and they still tell it today. They sold their soul for the greatest lie in the universe. They saw the most important single event in the entire history of the universe and now they're going to lie about it and they're going to take others down with them to hell because they're lying about the only way to get to heaven. Well, what happens next? Well, verse 16, the 11 disciples leave for Galilee, going to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go. They go to this famous mountain where everything happened initially. And verse 17, we're nearly there. When they saw him, they worshipped him, but some of them doubted. I don't know what you would do if you saw Jesus walking along the road, having seen him crucified a couple of days before. I'd sort of want to see if my glasses were on properly. I'd be like scratching my head a bit. It's like, hang on, this doesn't happen. Some people are like, this is great, let's go. Others are like, oh, I'm just not so sure about this. And I like this in a way, because if you feel doubts about Jesus, as we all do at times... We're in good company, and we're amongst even those who have seen him face to face. But no doubt they pushed through that doubt as they saw Jesus there, because some doubted Jesus, but others believed. And then in these final three verses, we see Jesus give his disciples some of the most wonderful messages, what what part of the most wonderful message he's given anywhere, these most famous words. Verse 18, Jesus came and told his disciples, I have been given all authority in heaven and on earth. It's happened. I am the king. It's happened. And it's just what was said would happen in Daniel chapter 7, verse 13 and 14. It's on your outline. As my vision continued that night, I saw someone like a son of man coming with the clouds of heaven. He approached the ancient one, was led into his presence. He was given, there it is, authority, honor and sovereignty. That's king, kingship thing. Sovereignty over all the nations of the world so that people of every race and nation and language would obey him. His rule is eternal. It will never end. His kingdom will never be destroyed. And Jesus is saying, I am that man, and this has happened. Jesus has been given all authority everywhere. So what do they do? They're now there in the presence of the great king of the universe. Verse 19, he says, Therefore go and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son of the Holy Spirit. They have got to make more disciples. They need to be disciple-making disciples. And not just to Israel, to all the nations. This is all happening right here. And they're to go and baptize them, to fully immerse them in God, the triune God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And we keep doing the act of baptism to this very day. Baptism, which is a symbol of our new life. And in just a short while, in that pool down the bottom there, we are going to be baptizing seven people. We are going to be continuing on in this great commission here from the Lord Jesus himself. But as the disciples make disciples there to teach things, this is the last verse. He says, Teach these new disciples to obey all the commands I've given you, and be sure of this I am with you always, even to the end of the age. They need to teach what they saw about Jesus, what they heard about Jesus. They've got to teach others. And you know what? We benefit from that. Because some of them who are really good at teaching wrote it down, like Matthew. And now he is teaching us. As we read the Bible, by the Holy Spirit, we are being made disciples as we sit under his teaching. We've been teaching these commands that Jesus gave them over these last 28 weeks, teaching them here in church, and we have been receiving that teaching, and now we can obey them as people who have met Jesus, that Jesus who is always with us. Just like it said in Daniel 7, his rule is eternal. It will never end. His kingdom will never be destroyed. Jesus is alive. The Roman guards knew it. But they took the cash to cover it up. The Jewish leaders who put Jesus to death, they knew it too. That's why they paid the big bucks to get it covered up. But those disciples who saw Jesus as they walked down the road, the women who grabbed his feet, and all of the disciples that met him at the mountain, they know that Jesus is alive. Jesus is alive. And the big question for us all today is, do you believe it? Because if Jesus is alive, then everything is different. Because we have certainty for eternity. Because Jesus is with us even to the end of the age. Who can save the day? Take our sins away. Who can rescue us with with mighty power? Super saviour to the rescue. Super saviour, mighty to save. Look, look, here comes Jesus. Up, up and out of the grave. Why don't we sing that now?